last month, I had an opportunity to go to his meeting in Pittsburgh, and God opened the door for me to give him this prayer cloth to pray over for us. And uh, we were we had a good uh, good uh, interaction at the altar. And uh, my right, Chuck? Yeah. Lord have mercy. Where is Poppy? Open the door. I just want to see him. Let him so I know I could get rescued. <laughs> That's funny. And my my road dog Chuck, so yeah, so we <laughs> it was a nice trip too. God did everything we asked him to do and uh so we were were uh excited that we were able to sow some seed into his ministry. Uh, his ministry is is phenomenal in many ways, I believe, and has excellent fruit, lots of miracles, um, reconstructive miracles, creative miracles, and so we've been blessed to be able to make a contact and a tie there. So it's it's amen. So I think it'll be a good amen. Yep, it'll bear good fruit for the Lord. So praise God. So. Today we're going to talk about the fact that I receive my healing now. Amen. I receive my healing now. And if you'll turn to Mark 11, we'll start there. And um, hopefully we'll get through. Well, I won't won't even tell God what to do. How's that sound? He'll need no boss. Amen. Amen. He the boss. So we need to remind ourselves that faith is not in the future and it's not in the past, but it is now. Amen. Everything that pertains to faith is now. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. And it's evident in the now. Amen. If you were to go to a crime scene and they they would collect evidence but they would collect what they see now they can't go back later or they can't go in the future can't go before the crime is committed and collect evidence of something that's happening in the future everything has to do with what's going on now and so it's the same thing with our faith our faith is evidence in the now that we have what we ask for, even though what we ask for may manifest totally in the future. When you receive something by faith, you receive a deposit of spiritual power and spiritual evidence that points you toward something that you're asking God for and you're believing him for. In the case of healing, you pray now. And you believe you receive it now, not in the future. Amen. The, the, the heaven's language is a now language. Everything happens in heaven now. When, when we pray, let it be on earth as it is in heaven, we need to have some evidence in the now that we have what we are asking for. So in Mark 11, starting in verse 22, and this is the familiar story about Jesus and the fig tree. He had seen the fig tree, uh, and he was looking for figs on it. And there were leaves on it. And oftentimes where there's leaves, there's figs. But there is nothing on the tree right now. 
And so it says he he answered um I'm sorry. They Hang on. Yeah, on four in fourteen. He saw a fig tree afar off and he, he found nothing but leaves. It says for the time of figs was not yet. Now that doesn't mean he was asking, expecting in error. You had to go up to the tree and look to see if there were figs beyond the leaves. And oftentimes there were. When it says the time wasn't yet, it just means it hadn't put out any yet. And the Bible says here, he answered the tree. So the tree spoke to him as it was not cooperating. It said, no, I don't have nothing. And so Jesus spoke right back to him and cursed it. If you can't serve me, hit the road. Amen. He's a master. Nothing he does is ever wrong. Maybe I might be interpreting it a little, but you know what I'm saying. And he says, no man eat fruit of you for hereafter. And his disciples heard it. And the next day, they in, in verse 20, in the morning, they passed by and saw the tree was dried up from the roots. God's word deals with the root of things. That's why many times we don't see what we think we want right away. Because the root is being dried up. Amen. And then the fruit dries up. And then new fruit comes out. Amen. If it, if that tree is still there. But I'm talking about specifically with us and our bodies and the needs that we have. Uh, God cannot support two trees at one time or two, two different, um, life, life, uh, forces at one time. So once you pray, Anything from the world starts to shrivel up and die and diminish. And then the new stuff starts to come. The kingdom stuff starts to spring forth. And so this is why many times we get a little discouraged. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And nothing's happening, but it is happening. As long as you've received it already when you prayed, it's happening. Amen. It is definitely happening. And he says here, Jesus answering, they, they said, Master, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. In other words, my faith is in somebody greater than me, the Father. Amen. At this time, Jesus does not have equality, quote unquote, with the Father. He's under the Father's instruction. And so the father has to give him permission to do all of the things that he's doing. He said, I do nothing except I see my father do it first. Amen. And so he says, truly, I say to you, is if you have faith in God, this is how you talk. (laughs) The Bible says we are translated out of one kingdom into another. If you're translated, that means your speech is different. If you're transported, that means you pick up and go somewhere. Translated means we have a new language. We are people of a new language. Praying in tongues is part of that new language. But then you have to talk faith in order to for God to understand you. Amen. And to accept and respond to what you say. 
So he said, truly, I say to you that whosoever, that means this works for everybody, shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. So in your heart, you cannot be doubting. Amen. How do you not doubt in your heart? You fill it with faith. You fill it with the word. You meditate on that word until it almost jumps out of you. Hello. See, you don't have to force faith out of yourself. It comes as as part of the release of your spirit man. Amen. And so whatever you believe in your heart, you know what you believe. You know if you believe. If somebody says, are you sick? You say, girl, no, I'm healed. You understand what I'm saying? So that came out of your heart. You know, you know what you believe and what you don't believe. It's not that hard. So he says, not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. You got to believe it's going to happen, even though it came out of your mouth. The fact that it came out of your mouth should not diminish its credibility. It's force. It's faith. Sometimes that's where the problem is. We think, is this really going to work? You mean I can say I'm going to do this, that, and the other, and it's really going to work? Amen. And so we must get accustomed to having a new voice, having a new uh, uh, force behind our words, choosing your words selectively. Don't let anything come out of your mouth. Amen. Except things that edify and build up and take you in the direction you're supposed to be going here. Amen. So we do have to be careful to select words that continue to project our faith and continue to uh, strengthen our faith. And and not so much. Now I realize some things are just there and they're there. But when we're talking about faith, we're talking about your expectation. Do you expect it to stay the same or do you expect it to change and line up with God's word? And that's that's really what it's all about. So he says, if you believe, he said, you can you can move a mountain with your words. That's what he's saying. If you really believe and that's that's the job that's at hand, you can move a mountain with your words. He said, all you got to do is believe in your heart that it'll happen. Amen. Say it with your mouth and it'll happen. Amen. Many of us, yeah, the biggest miracle we live in is believing some of our little raggedy selves will go to heaven after all we do. I mean, that's major miracle in itself. <laughs> it's the truth. So you believe for that salvation miracle? See, many of us get comfortable with that because it's in the future. Heaven is in the future, right? And see, but you believe it now. Nobody can tell you. Somebody come up to you and say, girl, you ain't saved. Really? Better get out of my face. You don't know me. Huh? <laughs> That's when you pull Shanae out on them. You don't know me. <laughs> So when you have faith in God, you will say what God says about things. 
because it's his word you use to show him you're in agreement with him. You, you're coming under his, uh, authority in things. You want what he wants you to have. You're submitted to him. All of that is true. And, and so faith in God talks like that. Amen. So he said, he says, if it be removed and cast in the sea and not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say will come to pass. You have it now and it will come to pass. Y'all got me? So you got to train your mind to think like this. Because if you're saying you have it in the future, because you think it'll come to pass in the future, you, you don't have a grip on it. See, faith is your grip on it. Huh? So what you've received when you pray is the spiritual component of it. There's two components to everything that comes from heaven. There's a spiritual and then there's a material that comes to pass. Amen. So come to pass really means it'll show up in the natural. Amen. And and it will if you continue to believe. He said, therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive when you pray. When you pray, believe you receive. Believe you receive when you pray. When you pray, believe you receive. At that time, at that moment. And how do you express that you've received it? See, you can't just believe it and go silently away somewhere. You have to say, thank you, Lord. I have it now. It's mine now. I got it. See, I got this. I got it now, Lord. I have it. And I thank you for it. See, you can't thank him for something you haven't received already. See? See, God's, the things he has for us are real. That's why we can thank him for them now. But before they even come to us in the natural. Amen. Because they're out in glory. So you're not thanking him for a wish or thanking him for a maybe. You're thanking him for something real. I don't care what it is. It's your next vehicle. It's out in glory already. Parked in your glory garage. Huh? So when you receive it, when you pray and believe you receive it, you receive the spiritual component of it. And your faith is evidence. Evidence of what? Of my my car parked out in my glory garage. It's substance. You can perceive it. You can feel it. When you, when uh, Peter and, 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 uh, Peter and, and John, I think, yeah, Peter and John went out and prayed for the guy at the gate. They say they perceived he had faith too. How do you think that they saw that faith on him? So faith is tangible. It can be felt. It can be perceived. It's real. It's substance, folks. It's the substance from which the stuff we want is made. And until you apply it to that prayer, it won't come to you. But once you apply it, the reason it's got substance to it is because your stuff is real. It's just in a different dimension. Amen. It's out in a place called glory where it's being perfected for you. It, it was created for you. If there are some things you want added to it, amen, it will be added in that glory realm. Amen. 
And, and when, when your faith is complete or when you, when it, the season for it to come to pass comes, amen, then it'll have everything that you want on it. And while you believe and believe it'll be paid for, that's not impossible. Amen. I mean, you just start believing God for stuff. See stuff in the word and, and say, God, I want that. I'm going to do it that way. I'm, I don't know how I'm going to do it, God, but it's in your word and I believe you'll do it for me. Amen. And, and start getting some stuff taken care of. Get it off the wish want list and get it on the I have it list. Amen. Get it on that list. Amen. Because it is possible with your faith. If God's got it for you, he's got it for you. He didn't say it would come with payments. Huh? I'll tell you, it's a habit. I remember um, my late husband, we were uh, we were getting a car for myself. And, uh, you know, usually arm twisting and on my part. I'm not ashamed. I'm not proud. It's just what you do. I mean, I thought all married people twisted each other's arms. For <laughs> just the wives. <laughs> we got, listen, I had no visible means of support. I had no job. God made me give my job up. But, you know, I, I couldn't float right into being lovely all the time when I needed stuff. Don't judge me either. Where was I? But anyway, you know, I, I'm waiting for my new car. 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 And uh, I remember when he got it, he said, well, you know, it's it's always a big, hairy deal. I had to go to the credit union. And I say, yes, 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 yes. I thank you for that. Just go to the credit union for your little wife and. And he went and got it, and after paying on it for about six months, he said, you know, I should have paid cash for this car. <laughs> you see how credit can be a habit? You see, I, I'm telling you, you can break them habits. You can do it, and you break it first with your faith. Amen. Don't go out and do nothing drastic, but you break it first with your faith. Father, my paid for a car. And when you say paid for, get it paid for. Don't, don't say, well, I can't afford a paid for, so I'm going to get it on credit. Maybe you need to drop down to a three year old, but you can pay cash for it. You understand? Get in the pay cash for, paid for column first. You understand what I'm saying? You keep rolling on it. It'll be three years old soon enough. Like we came by, oh, what's, I, I don't know, I just want new. Yeah, well, whatever. New comes with a price tag. Your faith can work on new, new to you. Amen. <laughs> new to your neighbors. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> it takes the sweat off of things quite a bit. So, so anyway. When you, when you pray, believe you receive it. Put your faith on getting it. You have it now. And the best way to establish that is with your words. Don't let your mouth say, I'm waiting on it. 
Don't let your mouth say it's coming, even though it is coming. Amen. It will, you will have it and, and you can have what you say. Amen. So he said, therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe at that time that you pray that you receive it. And, and sometimes you need to, Get a little piece of paper that says it's mine or I have it and put it in your purse or your pocket and keep it with you and look at it periodic. It is mine. I have it now. It's mine now. Amen. So he says and, and that God loves that because that's taking him at his word. See, that means God. That's that's like the centurion. Remember, Jesus told him, I've never seen faith like this out of the people I came here for. And he probably says the same thing about some of us sometimes. You know, we, we don't show our faith in God many times the way we could. But that centurion told Jesus, he said, no, don't come to my house. He said, I'm not even worthy for you to get on my street. He said, but I've been watching you and your word is good enough to get my sick servant healed. And sure enough, when he got home, that man was well. And so Jesus loves it when we take him at his word. Amen. He says, and when you stand praying, forgive. Amen. And, and some of us have a lot of forgiving to do, you know. And I don't mean that because you're a grudge holder. See. But look how many times the devil comes and pokes at you during the day. Huh? Hello? So you got to have an automatic thing, uh, like an automatic trigger in you that says, I forgive them, Lord. You don't sit up and think about it and mull over it and nurse it. They don't like me and I don't know why I'll never do nothing. Cut it out. You're doing you lying right now. Tell me you'll never do nothing wrong. Come on now. Where do you live? Huh? And so we, we have to understand these things. God, God honors righteousness, His righteousness. And it doesn't come with you standing up there mad at people or, or not deciding whether you want to bless them with your forgiveness, your rare piece of forgiveness that you give out every now and then. Cut it out. Be, be an instant forgiver. Amen. Be an instant lover. Be somebody who doesn't sit up and let your, you know how sometimes your mind wants to just pulse with bad ideas and don't be like that. Get that thing renewed, man. Don't walk around with a, with a inflamed brain. Huh? <laughs> that little brain is on fire. Huh? That little, that, that, there's a little, uh, them little emojis on your phone, on the iPhone, that little one with the head, the, the head flying off. Don't be like that. Amen. And you get abrupt or sharp with people, you go back and apologize. You, you show people you didn't mean that and you're sorry for that. And don't make excuses. Hey, the devil trips everybody up. We, we all fight in the same devil. Amen. But be a person that, that loves genuinely. Amen. Cause you can do it. Because God's given us everything. He died so you can love people. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And there's no such thing as unlovable people. You know, we say, we, we have to love the unlovable. Well, love yourself first. <laughs> Make sure you get number one on the list. 
Amen. Praise God. So, so Jesus says these, your faith influences your speech. What you believe influences your speech. Whosoever shall say the most impossible things with their mouth. God doesn't just want to hear the possible out of us. He wants to hear about the impossible. Amen. He doesn't care if it's easy, hard, whatever. He doesn't consider anything easy or hard. He just considers faith. And if you got enough courage and confidence in God to believe him for things that the doctors have told you won't ever reverse and you got to have surgery to correct this or, you know, this will happen to that. If you're if you dare to believe God for those kinds of things, then just continue to say and thank God for it happening and it will happen. Don't lose your grip on your faith. Amen. Let it keep your faith strong. Keep feeding on the word. Amen. Keep feeding on his promises and keep thanking him for the things that you desire. So he says, whosoever shall say to this mountain, any whosoever shall say the most incredible things, he can have what he says. If you don't doubt in your heart and you're using the faith of God. Amen. When he says have faith in God, that means put your faith in God's word. You got to find it in the word. Amen. And if you believe it will happen, it will happen. Amen. Amen. We're to make it personal. Verse 24, it says, therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, what do you want? You've got to believe God will do it for you. If you got doubt, stay in the word until that doubt disappears. That's how you get rid of doubt. You don't get rid of it by running around asking everybody what they think. But you get rid of it through meditating on the word. Just just. Think about that work. Jesus, you did all of this for me. This is unbelievable. But you say, I can believe it. I can get it from your word. And I'm trusting you that this is going to happen for me. And I dearly want it, Lord. And I believe you can do it for me. I have no doubt that you want me to have it. And you are doing this for me even as we speak. Amen. And just continue to project your faith to him. And, 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 uh, agree with heaven on the things that you desire. You can have anything you want from God. Amen. He's, he's not limited. He's only limited to what our mind is renewed to. If we sit up thinking negative thoughts all the time, how can you have faith? That faith robs you. Think about impossible things and I'll never get this and I'll never be that and I'll never, never. Never's a long time, folk. You better get yourself out that never category and get you over into the category, I'm that now. Amen. Because of Jesus and what he's done for me, I'm saved and I'm prosperous now. Amen. So you make it personal to the things that you desire. Amen. So, and also forgive because He says, if you don't forgive people, he don't forgive you. So you might as well forget the prayer. Huh? He's not going to feel sorry for you because you're mad at everybody. I don't care if they did do you wrong. Amen. People say, well, I never do anything to anybody. I don't know how this happened to me. I do. Because it happened to me. (laughs) I know exactly how it happened. Happens to everybody. He said in this world you will have trouble. 
but cheer up. Don't whine. Don't cry. Don't point the finger at people. Don't blame people. Don't get mad at nobody. Don't want to go sue nobody. Amen. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> well, pray about that one, whatever it is. If somebody done you wrong in court is your only recourse, and then go for it. But, you know, I was thinking about Dean Braxton, the guy that went to heaven. They made a mistake in his treatment, and he died for an hour and 45 minutes. Came back, his wife and some some uh, church people and Christ for the Nations, he had a lot of people praying for him, and God brought him back and gave him a mission to do, you know, on his second go-round. And he said he had the heart... He said people wanted to validate his testimony, and he asked the hospital for records. He said it took forever to get them. He he said they didn't want me to have my records. They were afraid I was going to sue them. Uh, So I guess people in the audience were wanting to know how much did you get from the lawsuit. He looked at the audience. He said, now, you go to heaven and see how much you feel like suing somebody when you come back. The things of earth seem to fall off from us once we get in the glory. That's all that matters. All that matters is him. So when, when we pray, we're to forgive. And, and, uh, and, and one of the things that the Lord impressed upon me is that our words have to have integrity. You, you, you know, in, when we say integrity, integrity has to do with the inner workings, the underpinnings of your word. What does your word represent as far as your character is concerned? What does your word represent as far as your consistency is concerned? See, anybody can straighten up their talk when they get around the saints. You understand what I'm saying? We all full of faith then and oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I believe I received it. I'm, I'm standing in faith. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And then when you get home, you talk a different way. Oh, God, when? When God, you know what I'm saying? It's just, we fall apart. But see, God's looking for people who are with integrity that talk the same way all the time. Doesn't matter what your company is. Huh? You talk the same way all the time. Job 22, 27, he talks about having a reputation with God. And, and I thought this was kind of interesting uh, because he talks about paying vows and the relationship that it has to your words and whether God honors them or not. 20, 22 and starting in verse, I think it's 27 and 28. It says, you shall make your prayer unto him, and he will hear you, and you shall pay your vows. In other words, whatever it is you're committed to God, you do it. You know, if it's come to church and help out setting up the room, be consistent doing it. You give your word to the the pastor and people like that, that you're going to be there. you got to be there, and you got to do it. That's paying your vow. See, your vow is what you say you're going to do. You can call it a promise. You can call it a vow. You can call it, well, I didn't promise. Well, (laughs) what is this, kindergarten? You opened your mouth and said you were going to do it. 
So you, you said, amen. So you obligated yourself. And so what God is saying here, if you're the kind of person that I can trust to say something and then follow up and do it, amen, then I will honor what you say. Amen. He honors, he honors what's like him. God keeps his word. So he will help us as we keep our word. But if we're the kind of people that, you know, we volunteer for stuff just to look good in front of people and then later on you don't show up. He's, he's got no part in that. Are you kidding me? And those kind of people quit on their confession anyway. They're, they're not even around four or five years later to see if God would bring it to pass. Amen. They, they just lack integrity. You can get integrity. You can start committing yourself to keep your word to yourself. This is what, this is what covenant is all about. That's what God, that's what he operates on. He swore, he could swear by no higher, so he swore by himself to himself. So it's not so much God has sworn to us he's going to do something for us. He swore to himself. That's higher than swearing to us. Because a lot of us go around and, and don't care if we get it or not. That's just how much we have invested sometimes in our prayers and in the word and in trusting God. No, I don't get it over here. I get it someplace else. I tried that faith stuff. Uh-huh. It's true. It's true. Look at the empty chairs. That's what I, this is where I, this is where that phrase comes in. Look around at the empty chairs. Amen. So integrity means God backs your words. He backs up your words. So in Job, he says here, if, if you'll make your prayer to him and he'll hear you and you'll pay your vows, and then you have permission to decree a thing and it'll be established unto you. I'm not talking about your Facebook decree and declare people. I'm talking about a decree that's honored in heaven. Amen. When God tells you, you know, it, like when when we were we started fighting this Rona thing, and and God said, "Yeah, make a declaration, decree, and in heaven, and I'll honor that." And we had nobody sick around here. You understand what I'm saying? So when you decree a thing, he'll he'll honor it if you're a person of integrity. You understand me? I come here every time we have service. I'm here. I'm not trying to get a, a plane ticket to somebody else's church just so I can get on Facebook and say, uh, y'all pray me. I'm, I'm leaving and flying so and so. I don't care where you fly. You understand me? Now I'll pray for you, but that's between you and God. You don't have to get up on Facebook every time you go on somewhere to preach and wave a plane ticket in front of somebody. Good gravy. Okay, I'm straight. But you know that stuff bugs you. And I'm thinking, well, God, we're supposed to be humble servants and you see, 
I'm getting to go somewhere. Keep moving. Keep going. Go for me. Not at <laughs> so I can stand on putting my feet up. Amen. You know, I mean, what, what does it matter where you serve God and where you have to go to serve him? Did you stop and pray for that homeless person you stepped over when you were going in the airport in the terminal? Man. So that's integrity. You, when you say you're going to do something, you follow up on it. God holds you to that. When you belong to God, you've obligated Him as well as yourself. Do you understand that? And God does not, He doesn't have any pleasure in people who can't keep their word. It's like, them as stepchildren or something. They can't keep their word. My goodness. So be where you're supposed to be. Number one, find out where you're supposed to be. And get there. And do what God tells you to do while you are there. Amen? So when you're a person of integrity, God says you decree a thing, you can have it. It'll be established in your life. He said, because you're like me. I can trust you. I trust your words. I trust your lifestyle. I trust everything about you. You're just like me. So you decree a thing, it'll be yours. People who have integrity in their words are not careless about what they say. You know, you can be talking to them and they'll be quiet. And Can you hear me? Yeah, I heard you. But, you know, you waiting for me to say okay and yeah and agree with some of this stuff. And I just ain't going to do it. You know, I'm going to stand on the side a little bit and let you vent. And that that's good. You know, go ahead. But. We ain't going to come into agreement on that. We're going to come into agreement on the remedy. You got me? Amen. A confession and unforgiveness is a vain repetition. Look at the Pharisees. Amen. They thought they would get blessed for their much speaking. Amen. It's not like that. There's got to be faith behind what you say. Amen. And when there's lack of unforgiveness in your heart, lack of integrity, all of that, when you confess, I don't care what word you confess, it will be a vain repetition if you don't obey Mark eleven twenty three through 24. Amen. So we have to do that. So when you are a person of integrity, you get a reputation with God for doing what you say you will do. And then he can trust your words and put more power on them. Put more anointing on them, bring better results with them. All of that happens because you, you endeavor to line up your words with his words. Amen. And, and be what he would be in the world. Amen. So many of us are waiting for things we desire because God is looking for integrity and consistency in our words. He's looking for us to consistently do what we say we're going to do. Don't overcommit yourself, but if there's a need somewhere and you can feel it, you step into it. You feel God's prompting, step into it and do what you're committed to do. Amen? Part-time people get part-time results. You reap what you sow. Come on now. Think about it. If there's a place where you can be more consistent, do it. You know, tighten it up. You can always make improvements. Amen. Jesus had great integrity. 
That's why his words came to pass faithfully. God let none of his words fall to the ground. Same thing with Samuel. There were some people that stood out as servants of God. And God was able to use them mightily because they took took that oath before God seriously. When you give Jesus your life, that means he has total control over everything. Not just little this and some of that and, you know, you piecemeal him here and there. You've got to give the whole thing over to him. Amen. It's good to live like that. You know, be all in on stuff. You don't, don't cheap everything out. I don't know if I want to do all that and go all that far and everything. What are you holding on to it for? And what are you holding on to? Amen. Get all in on something for once in your life. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So, so we're going to talk about faith for the now versus faith for the uh, present. uh, I'm sorry, for the past and the future. And if you go over to John chapter 11, you'll see the story of Lazarus at the tomb. And I thought there were some interesting insights here to show you the difference between believing God for now, what that looks like, and and how most people tend to slip over into one category of the, or the other, putting it off for later, or putting it or or saying they wish they had a done something different in the past. See what I'm saying? Faith is not in either one of those places. You got to have faith for now, and in in training yourself to keep your faith in the now. By the expression of your mouth uh, is a good practice to get into, and you will see many things come to pass that you thought would could take forever to get here, or wouldn't get here at all. So, in John chapter eleven, we see Lazarus was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the same Mary that, that anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped the feet, uh, his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, the one that you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said this, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, to me, it's obvious they knew what his reply was. They sent word to him. Somebody waited for him to send the answer back. So they knew what Jesus said about Lazarus. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified. Now, Jesus loved all of them. And when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And then after that, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. And the disciples said, Lord, they tried to kill you the last time you were there. And Jesus said, I got to work. He said, I only got 12 hours in a day. How many of y'all went and did something for God because you felt you couldn't wait? Yeah, right. So we got a little work to do, don't we? Huh? See, if it was true for Jesus then, I mean, obviously he was going to go to the cross, but it's even more true for us now. You know, God tells you to get up and go pray for somebody. Don't, 
Oh, I don't know if that was God or not. Well, has the devil ever told you to pray for somebody? Unless you a witch. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. We want 15 confirmations when we got to move and do something. But when it comes to God's going to bless and prosper me, we run off with that like, you know, it's hot, hot meal. Amen. And so we have to see this is about integrity. When the unction comes, we got to at least say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Okay. At least commit yourself with your mouth. And hopefully your feet will follow. You got me? And so, so Jesus stayed a little while longer. He told the disciples, you know, it's not important. My safety, my security, what's going to happen to me. I'm the only one who can do this and I got to go. I can't, I can't wait forever. I'm, you know, I'm, there's certain things I must do and I must do them now. And so when he, he said, he said, uh, Jesus answered, he says, are there not 12 hours in a day? If any man walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he's got light. But he said, if a man is walks in the night, he stumbles. In other words, it's not going to, I can't sit up and put this off forever. Amen. Now, apparently the disciples have disconnected what Jesus said about this sickness is not unto death. Amen. Because what they're doing, I mean, this Lazarus has been sick now for four days. And they're telling Jesus, don't go. So they disconnected from his words. You got me? We got to be careful about disconnecting from what God told us and told us he's going to do for us and what he wants us to do. You got to stay with the plan every single day, folks. You got to stay with what's current in God Every every day there's something for you to do in God's kingdom. You just got to get about doing it. And and drop the attitude about stuff you're asked to do or he commands you to do. Just drop the attitude and humble yourself. See, that humility will work around to your benefit again at another time. See, the sacrifice you make in bowing down before him and doing what's necessary that'll work that'll abound back to your account but attitude won't amen that'll rob you it'll rob you every single time so so jesus loved them and and it's not that he delayed doing something because there was something wrong with them hint hint why is it every time we have to wait on something or we get anxious? I wonder what's wrong. I wonder. We always think there's something wrong with us is why we got to wait on something we've asked God for. And if you're standing in now faith, you got it already. So you're really not waiting, waiting. You're not waiting for God to make up his mind to give it to you. He gave it to you already. If you believe you received it when you pray, you have it already. So what's the the business about time? And why is time related to something you did wrong or something you lack or something you ought to be doing better? Or You understand what I'm saying? God is so loving. If there's something here, the Holy Spirit will tell you, come on over here and do it this way. 
You know? So just worship him a little bit more. You'll feel the unction to begin to worship. You, you get tired of waiting, worship. You get tired of time standing still, worship. You get tired of things just being status quo, praise him. And I guarantee you in a couple of minutes you'll be feeling totally different about the whole. Huh? God, I think I can go another further on that praise. Hey! I like this guy. Huh? So really, Jesus actually pronounced Lazarus healed already. He pronounced him as healed in verse verse eleven. Uh, he said, "This where did he say this sickness is not unto death." Yeah, that's where he pronounced him healed. So as far as Jesus is concerned, Lazarus is healed. But we've got to see who else. <laughs> With his kinfolk and his loved ones is a different story, trust me. So then he says, he says, let's go to Judea again. And uh, he said, are you going to, the disciples said, master, you know, you're going to go there again. He said, there's, I got to work, you know, I'm, I'm with Jesus. I'm not wasting any time. You know, I got to work. I don't have time to lollygag and nitpick and, you know, somebody didn't smile at me today and. Did you smile at anybody? You get that look off your face and they wouldn't be scared to talk to you. Huh? So Jesus said these things and after that he said to them, um, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I'm going that I may wake him up out of this sleep. And Jesus, this isn't the only person he said this about. Remember the the little girl that that died where while the woman with the issue of blood was accosting him for her healing. Don't bogart the nachos, Ginger. You know, she just went up and took what she wanted. She didn't care who was dying at home. That ain't her problem. She ain't healing nobody. She there to get herbs. Saw her opportunity. I don't blame her. Sick and tired to be sick and tired. And so he had to tell them plainly, Lazarus is dead in your world. You got it? See, Jesus knew how to hold on to faith for the supernatural, but also talk to people in the natural so they could understand it. See? And sometimes we don't have that finesse, you know, that, that where we can nuance our words like that and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so we kind of have to stick with just saying what we want to see come to pass and lead that other explaining, you know, you know, people sometimes will challenge your confession because they don't understand faith, you know. You say, uh, you tell somebody you're healed and, and they don't see you've changed any and they want to say, well, 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 you know what I mean. No, I don't. I'm healed. Or is the devil trying to 
put the screws to you and get you to change your confession. No, I'm still healed. I'm healed, period. I don't know where you coming from, but I'm healed. I ain't going down that road. Amen. He suffered too much to get me off that road. Amen. I mean, sometimes we got to just appreciate that. Taking a lot of things for granted sometimes. So he finally had to break it down and tell him, he said, and I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. So he said, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad, you know. But I love him. See, only the master can do that. If I tried to say all that stuff in one conversation, y'all be to run me out of here. What's wrong with her? You know what I'm saying? But he was able to break it down and minister truth to them on their level in the natural truth and then tell them about the supernatural. The joy that it brings me that I'm going to be able to reveal something to you that you didn't know before. That's all he was talking about. Amen. Amen. So he said he was glad for their sakes, etc., etc. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Okay, let's cut this conversation off and get busy. Then said Thomas, you know, until his fellow disciples, let's go also that we can die. Okay, well, whatever. I key you, Thomas. You know, it's like, nah. So, anyway, so before Jesus gets there, he's on his way there. When Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave for four days. Now, Bethany was nigh into Jerusalem. So there's a lot of, you know, the Jewish people, the temple people and all that. Many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Uh, make a note right there in verse 19, right beside that, nobody came to heal him. Anybody can be a mourner. But it takes faith to be a healer. It takes faith in God. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. And what she says is this. Now, this is where her faith is. So what did we say? You have to have faith for now. You can't have it for the past and you can't have it for the future. This queen's got both of them. Okay. Not that hard to do because most of us do. So what she does, she greets him with what? A complaint. If you had been here. In other words, where you been for four days, Jesus? Thought you loved us. Huh? Now, in what account, their relatives, in Lazarus, aren't their cousins? Huh? Anybody know? Okay. Well, big cousin didn't get there on time for what your faith wanted to happen. See, why is it that we put the things that we dearly desire from God on a time schedule. And when that time is expired, we give up on it. And this is what happened to her. 
She's she's letting him have it. She said, Lord, if you you let him die, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. You should have come four days ago. It's too late. Huh? So her faith quit when Lazarus died. And to be honest with you, it probably quit before then. Because what she's doing is totally depending on Jesus to get there when she wants him to get there so she can be happy. Huh? Her faith, no doubt, was never in her brother to get well. Because Jesus sent them a message back and told them, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And she never heard it. She never put any faith in it. She never trusted in what he said. So this is the result. Her faith ended probably before he died because it really wasn't in Jesus' word. Amen? Because he sent him a message like this. I may not be able to get there when you want me to, but I will get there. And you'll get what you're asking for. She was actually depending totally on Jesus' faith, believing in everything. Just You just come take care of it. I don't have to believe. I don't have to get no sweat to me. You just come and do it. Amen. Make sure you got faith invested in what you're asking God for. Get in the word. Meditate on the word. Start understanding. Let God give you reassurance every day. That he's, he's for you. He's, he's working on your behalf. All of that. Cause your faith will crumble just like hers did. And so there she is complaining to Jesus. Amen. Making him do all the believing. And she says this to him in, in verse 20. She says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Then she gets religious on him. You know, that, but word, B-U-T, but, religion, religious spirit, that's their conversation. They'll say what they think and then want to leave an open door for something else maybe to happen to make themselves sound spiritual. So that's what she's doing. She running game on the master. And he knows it. She said, but. What, what, I know that whatever you ask the Father, you know, whatever you ask of God, he'll give it to you. But she won't commit herself to say, will you ask him to get my brother out of that grave? So her faith is never in the now. It's in the past. Now she trying to cover it up with, but you know, whatever you ask God, I mean, but you're going to have to ask him because I ain't going to say I don't want to commit myself. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look like I really believe for a miracle. I don't want to look like these people that's crawling and touching you and all that. I'm not, I'm cuz. You were supposed to been here four days ago. You got me? So don't be a special person. Be a whosoever. Be a whosoever hanging on to your faith the best way you can. Believe in God. Amen. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. She comes back with more religion. 
Oh, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection on the last day. Now it's off in the future. Your faith was in the past a minute ago. Now it's off in the future. And she teaching him. The religious have a lot of nerve. Say, I know he'll rise on the last day. Jesus said to her, um, excuse me. The resurrection is talking to you. You don't feel the power on my words. You don't think I can get him up out of that grave. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. She said, he, he says, he that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He's trying to squeeze some now faith out of her. You see how loving he is? He wants her so much to believe. She said, yeah, I believe you're the Christ. <laughs> she go with more religion again. Just a little parrot. That's how she lives. She's been around the master as much as she has, and that's as much as she's picked up. You know why? Because she stay mad at her sister all the time. I just thought I'd throw that in. So I need to take a drink. Huh? Mary was down there listening to his every word and learning. And she run around fussing about them. Don't you care? I got to serve everybody all by myself. And look at my sister down there at your feet. She about as dumb as a bag of rocks. You know, religious people are like that, folks. They got all the right jargon, phrases. But they don't know the master. He said, do you believe this? Yeah, Lord, I believe you're the Christ. He didn't ask you about who he was. Not in that respect. And when she done that, she went away. I guess she got tired. Her brain froze. Then she called her sister secretly and said he wanted her. He didn't call for Mary. She's just full of little tricks, shenanigans. So as soon as Mary heard that, she arose quickly and came to Jesus. She wasn't going to move until she was asked. Very important, folks. You're under the master's control. You don't want to offend. So if he wants to see me, I'll go. Now, Jesus was not yet come to the town, but it was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews, when they were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, they went and followed her. She's going to go weep at the tomb. So we're going to go weep with her. Nobody's got any faith for anything. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, now Mary then turned on him. Huh? This is bad company influence. Because she might have been the only one holding out for, because she she's the only one who really believed Jesus would die. Period. And raise again. 
because she anointed him for his burial. So she was, she was believing of everything he said. But you get around a bunch of folk that's on the death watch and not really believing that God is going to raise him up or God is, it, Jesus meant what he said. It was not unto death that he's asleep. And as soon as Jesus gets here, he'll wake him up something. So she's joined the rest of them. So they're all in a prayer of agreement. It's too late. Amen. He said, your brother will rise again. Jesus said, I am. That's that's now faith. I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, whatever I carry, you can get it now, even now. Amen. Whatever I have, you can get it now. Because of I am. Amen. I am present. I am willing. I am powerful. I am doing this. It is my will to do this for you. Amen. So both of them, Martha's over in the future with the resurrection. He can't get her to to zero in and, and up her faith. Amen. So Mary's coming to him with the same bit of bad news if you had been here he wouldn't have died when the jews therefore saw her weeping the jews also weeping came with her he groaned in his spirit and was troubled because nobody's there believing for anything so i guess jesus said i'm gonna have to carry this load all by myself you got me now you groan too if you had to get somebody up out of a grave and everybody around you is full of unbelief and complain and blame. Amen. And it says, <clears throat> he asked where they laid him. And he, they, he wept and the Jews said, behold how he loved him. They think he's mourning too. Some of them said, could not this man, here they are, they're in the past. Their faith is in the past too, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that this man should not have died. So to them, death is the end of the story. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, came to the grave. It was a cave and the stone was in front of it. And he said, take away the stone. Take away the stone. Some things are our responsibility. That's what you need to know from this whole story. God is doing his part. We got to do our part. When he said, take the stone away, what does that stone represent? Hmm? Unbelief, doubt, whatever is blocking your miracle and your healing from coming forth out of the tomb where it's buried is a stone. Maybe it's something you believe you believe it can't be done because the doctors have told you. The doctors put the stone in front of your healing. Amen. Maybe you believe it. it of time. That's always something the devil brings up in our minds. Too much time has gone by. You gotta roll that stone away. You gotta make that not of none effect, of not a priority, of, of no consequence in your miracle. You gotta roll every block that's blocking your miracle from coming forth. That's your responsibility to renounce it. It's your responsibility to get rid of it. It's your responsibility to cast it down. It's your responsibility. Jesus can't do everything for us. 
He couldn't believe for them. They had to believe for themselves. And so when he said, Let, let's get rid of that stone, that means you let go of the unbelief that has held your healing captive. You let go of the time factor that where the enemy has made you fatigued and told you it's too late. Anything other than now, faith is unbelief when you need something from God. You've got to believe you have it now. And until you do, that stone is going to still be there blocking your miracle from coming loose. Amen. The other thing he told them, you see, Jesus never moved that stone out. He could have talked to that stone. That was no problem for him. There's a purpose. He does things the way he does them. And that is to let them know y'all sealed him up in there. I didn't tell you to put that stone and you locked him up in there. With your unbelief, your accusation, your words, your weeping, your moaning, your fried chicken and potato salad sitting up there waiting for four days. So they took away the stone. Of course, under protest, here's Martha again. You know, I got my best casserole out there and it's stinking. We don't want a stinking brother. Huh? He said, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. But because of the people that stand by, I'm saying this, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead, was dead, was dead. Whatever you thought you, you was too late for you to get from God, it was dead. Now it's coming to life again. Amen. The I am has spoken and the I am says, if you will believe for the now, if you will believe, you will see. You can't wait to see and then believe. That's not faith. You must believe first and then you will see. And he says, the he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his faith was bound with a napkin. Napkin. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Well, why didn't he just tell them clothes to drop off? Tell the grave clothes to drop off. Why do they have to do it? They wrapped him up. Not only with the, 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 um, gauze, but they wrapped him up with their words. In their unbelief, they put him in that grave. You put him in the grave, you undo what you did. Huh? When you got saved, there was some undoing that had to be done in your life. And it's still being undone. Them grave clothes that you lived in, you know, you thought you was, you know, all that in a bag of chips and you was kicking it with all your crew and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, them's grave clothes now. They do nothing but hinder your walk if you try to hold on to them. Huh? All your buds and all your crew and all your posse, all that. You know, they wrapped you up in that stuff and you let them. And you liked it. But God wants it unwrapped off of us. 
you go nowhere in your new life bound and popping up and down and feeble. Amen. You just won't. So God wants to do that. He wants us to believe now for whatever it is. Receive it now. I don't care if it's, if it's healing. Yes. Wisdom. Some of us need wisdom and patience and understanding. We need a lot of things from God. We got to believe that we receive those things now. You're not waiting on some, some, you know, um, uh, inspiration to hit you. You can grab onto that now. People who are easily inspired get ideas all the time. They'll tell you. In, in their conversation sometimes you'll hear them talk about things they're going to do in the future and plans they have in the future. It, that stuff is, is happening and released now. You know, you don't have to, I gotta go on a consecration. Well, forget it. You won't get it that way. You better believe for now. In a minute of Twinkie or a hamburger flies past your face. You all, all, all over it. What I say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I mean to offend nobody, but anyway. Because we are getting ready to eat, aren't we? <laughs> All right. So praise God. Why don't you give me some music and we'll pray for people. If you want prayer, we're going to do a declaration, though, I think. Before we do that, we're going to declare. And you're going to fill in the blank. And, and tell God it's yours now. Amen. Just receive it now. I take it now. Amen. Father, we thank you for what you are doing for us in the now. I thank you for every soul represented here. Every need that's that's known in their hearts, every need that's known in their minds, we put it before you, Lord, and we thank you that you have supplied that need now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, just speak it to the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. I need healing, Lord. Manifestation, total manifestation of my healing, Father. Need it now. Finances, you need it now. Promotion, you need it now. Job, you need Say, I receive it now. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And don't go talking off about lack anymore. No more conversation about it being a problem to you because you have received it. Amen. You have received it in the now. Praise God. Praise God. So if anybody needs to get prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Miss Nola, if you could see if... Uh...